In this episode of Man vs. Marriage, I'm throwing a curveball. Is marriage just too much work? Let's find out on the other side. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Marriage. The podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Man vs. Marriage. It is I, the Q-Dog, in the Moran family studio with my lovely wife, Jeannie Moran. Honey, what do you want to say to the people? Hi. A woman of many words, unless we're on a podcast. So here we are, and we are working through some shows for the podcast. And it dawned on me earlier... You know, when when we were kind of curating the topics, that too often I think we focus, we we might focus, um, and this might come from just getting emails and doing the podcast that's like, man, do we always have to focus on the negative or what's wrong in our relationship? How much do we actually focus on what is right and kind of celebrate those things? And then as we kind of scooted up to the the microphones today, I'm thinking, what's going on with marriage in our world? You hear statistics about divorce rates. You hear statistics about like people choosing just not to get married anymore. And it's concerning. It's um, a commodity now. You'd have to... Flesh that out for me. Well, it seems like just in what we see, let's take, for example, you know, the kids, we've got a couple of them that are huge on movie stars and TV and and musicians and things and constantly checking up on who they're dating, who they're marrying, what's going on. And you see these people married a year, two years, and then... One decides, you know, they're doing a new movie with somebody and then there's somebody cheating on somebody or, you know, they just can't get along and it ends. And then six, eight months later, they're with someone else and now they're going to be getting married in a year. And it just seems like um, it's a commodity now. It's like it's nice to have somebody to take pictures with or to be out in the public with. You know, you're not by yourself when you go to parties or group gatherings and then when things start heating up and you find out, you know, the honeymoon stage, it's a thing. And when you get past that stage, yeah, marriage is work. But if it's really what you wanted, if, it, if it's really what you want, then you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to learn how to compromise. You can't always have your way. You can't always be right. You're going to have to adjust to another person. And people right now, as crappy as it sounds, it's like everybody's out for their own Mm -hmm. and only their own. And if you can agree for a little while and get along for a little while, okay, great. We can make a relationship out of this. And the minute you don't agree or, you know, you start realizing that there's a major difference of opinion, it's just, okay, I'm going to move on to something different. Yeah. It's 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 almost like you could flip a coin and today I might like you and tomorrow I don't and tomorrow I'm done. 
I've wondered, you know, in in making an argument for marriage and what it's worth, I would say that culturally, I don't really know around the world. I really only know the United States of America. Culturally, it seems like there there are many, many voices that are devaluing what it means to be a woman, what it means to be a man. They're, you know, these particular folks are like really anything masculine becomes toxic masculinity where there's a there's a place in culture and society for healthy masculinity and the next word i'm going to say i always trip over but there's also a very valuable place in society for cultural femininity i feel like nemo there and <laughs> um, <laughs> but and, there's there's a, a, a slighted view on that though too yeah. because like our girls we're raising daughters so obviously I want them to embrace their femininity. However, I want them to to embrace the fact that you don't need a man to do the things you want to do. You are capable on your own to support yourself, to take care of a family, to have the career that you want. However, there is a value and a um a need to have a spouse. Now people are going to argue with me because of the, the there's women and women, there's men and men. Y'all do your own thing. But what I'm saying is what our kids are learning. It's like, well, if, if you're, if you like men, then, you know, you're not truly valuing yourself as a woman. You're relying on a man. I don't rely on you to make sure that I'm taken care of. I trust you to take care of me because sometimes I can't but it doesn't mean I couldn't if I needed to there's a huge difference but the line is so gray right now you know the girls are are learning if you dress a certain way if you talk a certain way if you act a certain way you're automatically labeled as being part of this group and yet they are nothing in common with that group it's just clothing it's, it's a look. It's not, it's comfort. You know what I mean? There's so many different opinions out there. Like I looked, I'm looked down on now. 20 years ago, I was looked down on because I wanted to be stay at home mom. I didn't want to go out and push for better work, better job, more money, you know, finding my place in the world. I found my place in the world. My place is being a mom and being your wife because that's what I crave. That's what I needed to be fulfilled. My job as a writer is totally separate. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with being a mom or a wife. I can separate those two things. People lately, it just seems like that can't be separated without being bashed for it. Like everything you do now, you get slammed for. Everything. For what? And if you're getting married, it's like some people are happy for you. It's a great thing. And other people are like, well, that's a good first husband. Like it's just expected that people are supposed to have two, three or four wives. It's okay. You're, you're going to go through them. Not a big deal. This one meets this need right now. And this one will meet that need later. Why? I, it doesn't make sense to me, but we've been married for 23 years. So yeah, and it, <laughs> it hasn't been easy, but I, I would say it's 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 been worth it. I mean, for how far we've come. And look, marriage is not for everybody, and yeah. I understand that. But I'll say that as far as, you know, t- 
personal responsibility and commitment and commitment with consequences, that is just that has just eroded and has crumbled within society today. Um, well, you're accountable to it. If you take on the commitment and you make the covenant to be married and to be a spouse, you are now accountable to that person and all the little people that you make. Yeah. And, and people I, don't want to own that accountability because who? why should I have to be this or that? Why should I have to do these? Because you said you would. You yeah. made a vow. It's not just sign a contract, you're my wife, and you know you do as I say, or you know you do your life, I do my life. No, that's like, okay, you signed a paper so you could have medical benefits that, and buy a house together. That's pretty much it. You can own property. You can pay for each other's medical benefits, and that's it. Yeah, and I'm I look at marriage and say, man, this is a, and like I say, for our life, and I I will stand for marriage because I believe that that having a healthy marriage, and the nuclear family within the home, um, truly promotes stability to our society for both fringe elements that are like on the outside of. Mm-hmm. Whatever silliness there is going on, you know, if in political terms on the crazy left and the crazy right, there is a lot of value for society when it's when there is stabilization and certainty that comes along. And I think and I look at it and say, well, I didn't grow up in a healthy marriage. My parents were divorced my dad remarried. That marriage was not healthy. It was very volatile. And I didn't look at it and say, Ooh, I never, I never want that. I looked at it and said, someday I want a family of my own. And I want, I want to have a good marriage. I want, I want to be a great husband. I want to be the things that I feel like maybe I didn't have mm-hmm. and examples I didn't have. <clears throat> now, my dad's marriage that he's in now has been, what, since I was 16, so that's almost, that's almost like 30 years. So, it's a healthy marriage. They love one another, and they make commitments to one another. They follow through with that, and their lives complement each other. And I look at, you know, I look at what is being downloaded now. Why is marriage even attractive? Because I hear people on podcasts, you know, other shows, and they're talking about what's the incentive for a guy to get married? Um, he has to give up part of himself. He can't do what he wants to do. If things don't end, then half of his resources get taken, etc. I think that's a pretty jaded opinion, mm-hmm. to, way to look at it. There is something to creating and building love and legacy which i have faith there's a life after this but that's about all you can take with you to the other side and the impact you have on people's lives here so if you want to get married and marriage is something you value you come from a broken home or you don't have a great example of what that might look like i would say whether you're married now or going to get married you should find some resources to help you build what that's going to be. But in my opinion, the way that the way that it looks right now is that it's our world is trying to condition people 
like you said, to just be enough by yourself. That doesn't further the human race, which could be a problem, as they say, problematic. Mm-hmm. But I, I was listening to a podcast. I won't name the podcast. I'll just talk about what it is. And this, this young lady, which I, got, I have seven daughters. I'm pro-girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, It's hard to get more pro-girl than me. I wanted my girls to be a drummer because there's not a ton of drummers that are women go out there and show their way. You know, I want them to go out and to fight hard to compete and be the best that they can possibly be with whatever their dreams are. But this young lady, for years, according to what she said, was so fierce in trying to show herself and everybody else that she was a strong, independent woman and she did not need anybody to help her great. Do your thing. I would venture to say that if you are that, then what do you, what do you really need to do to prove that to other people? Well, who are you trying to prove it to and why? What does that matter? Now, fast forward 10 or 12 years down the road, she wants to have a relationship. She wants to be intimate, not just like sex, but she wants to have a connection. an intimate relationship. She can't do it. She's in counseling now to find out how to undo some of the work she did Mm -hmm. because now she wants that connection. And I look at that and I go, how sad is this that, and it goes, it goes back to what Barry and Tina taught us. It's like strength overextended now becomes a weakness. Mm -hmm. So whether you're a a guy with an alpha male, alpha male mentality and you go all the way in and you use that in every part of your life and now you can't connect with your wife and you've kind of screwed your marriage up um, because everything's got to be your way and people need to walk on eggshells and you want what you want when you want it and that's all that matters. Or you're a woman who has gone so far, you know, with pro-feminism and you don't need anybody, but then you desire a connection. Now you you find yourself with unmet needs. There's be- no balance. Because you can't connect. I think that's one of the beauties that marriage offers because you find this person, you connect emotionally, spiritually, physically with them. You make a commitment that's going to last your lifetime. And anything, whether it's whether it's in the gym, in the workplace, in school, anything that is going to hold value and be rewarding takes a lot of work. Anything that's going to be fulfilling takes a lot of work and for us we were young we did not have I mean with all the life experience we had we just really didn't have any Mm -hmm. we were young we were in love like crazy wild in love and we decided to go for it and get married there was a lot of things we didn't know we took a pre-marriage class but still, it couldn't prepare you for what experiences were to come. Yeah, no, there's limits to what you can learn in a pre-marriage class. But we we made a commitment to one another, you know, and that commitment was divorce would not be an option. That was the commitment that we set up. Mm-hmm. Now, there are couples that we know that do a lot of things on their own, and they come back and they operate married, but they almost have, like, their own Separate individual lives. lives. Yeah. That's not what we wanted I don't know if we really knew what we wanted because I didn't really have a I mean I had my grandma and grandpa I had my granny and papa those were the stable marriages now that I'm kind of thinking through it that I looked at and it was like those were something those marriages were something that I could always hold on to 
I never knew it any different. Where when there was like adversity, strife, pain, disappointment, all those things going on in my dad's marriage, my mother was alone. Um, my grandparents really showed me what it was, what marriage was. Now they had, I mean, they bickered back and forth like crazy. Some of it was fun, um, but when it was when it was all said and done, they had their togetherness. They had their relationship, and their personalities complemented one another, and they made a commitment to each other. I would say the same for your parents. They went through some really difficult times. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. My my grandparents on both sides are both were divorced. Well, my dad's parents weren't divorced. My dad's parents stayed together, but my grandfather was, he trotted around. Um, and he was a very stern Italian man. So there was a lot of catering to what he wanted in that relationship. Um, my mom's side, both her biological parents were divorced and remarried. I saw both those marriages, but I only saw them in spurts. So I didn't have a whole lot of an example. And then my parents' marriage, where they probably wouldn't be together many times over, the one thing I did learn from my mom, as much as I I struggled with it growing up, she made a commitment and she fought like hell to keep it. Yep. And although there are things that, and what you and I have determined would be deal breakers. Sure. Um, she didn't quit. She just did not quit. And some people, myself included, I have my moments where I think I, I would have been done. I would have walked away and left your ass behind and been, you know, moving on to something else. But she didn't. That's her person. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, what she knows it's who she loves she doesn't know how to let go of that and she doesn't want to she doesn't want to let go of it you know it's it's her word means something to her her vows mean something to her yeah and it's so and i agree with you there sorry for cutting you off i agree with you there um but really truly i look i'm looking at it and I, i like to make like ridiculous comparisons but if you sign up for a 401k and you do not invest in your 401k um, when it's time to retire, or let's say the midpoint, you want to look at your 401k and see if it's growing, but you're not investing in it, then you're a fool. Mm-hmm. You're a fool. So then you close it out, and whatever money you put in as the initial investment is what you got, and it's not going to pay off how you desired for it to pay off. Mm-hmm. In, in addition to that, if you are investing in a 401k, but just basically what the minimum is, you're just doing enough to keep it going. When it comes time for the retirement or an, a, a life situation where you need to invest in it or divest in it, you're not going to have the payoff that you're looking for. But that's, and that's why I look at it. It's like when I did that uh, funeral exercise, which is one of the things that changed my life dramatically, look forward and at your funeral and what do you want your wife your kids to say about you, the people who matter in this world. What do you want their sentiment to be? How do you want them to think of you? That affected me deeply. And when I, I, I wanted to be a parent, I wanted to be a, a husband. Those are things I wanted to be. If, if, if you're listening to this and it's not something that you wanted or that you want, 
then do your thing. But the case for marriage that I would make is, that in my opinion, it is one of, if not the most rewarding and amazing relationships that you can have that truly offers connection and meaning um, on this earth. You know, aside from having children, which those children are a part of two people, you know, and women women can grow humans in their body, which freaking blows me away. <laughs> but as far as, you know, marriage is, it it's like the Bible says, you know, choose this day who you'll serve. And in a marriage, it's like you are choosing this day whom you will love. You don't choose it once and then just allow it to go. It's something that you choose each and every day. It's a it's a heart that you're holding in your hands. It's an investment for love. It's a commitment. It has consequences if you're not willing to follow through on that. If you are and want to be a man of your word, it begins with your marriage. It begins at that point. You know, and, and I know folks have a lot of different takes on the Bible and what a man's role is and what a woman's role is. And we we have taken and we have applied what we believe our roles are. I do agree with the Bible in a sense, and if you're not a Christian or you don't like it, I, I get it, and that's fine. So take the religion out of this. But it talks about, you know, the woman being like the weaker vessel. And that, that could be offensive to some people. But when when I look at it, it was explained to me, and I the more the longer I'm married, the more I understand. It's not a weaker vessel as far as in how strong it is. It's it talks about it the the woman being a weaker vessel it's more fragile because it's more valuable and like the way women are emotionally and they complement a man who is built logically those emotions can be fragile and need to be valued and that's when we when we as men how we talk and treat and invest in our wives we need to come to that particular place of understanding that this is like a, va a vessel that is a very, very high value, and it's fragile. It's like if you drop it, it shatters into pieces. If you treat this vessel improperly, and I'm talking emotionally, not physically, which I think is self-explanatory. <laughs> yeah, what the Bible was mm -hmm. referring to, because men have, and women alike, but men kind of by nature have that rough, heavy-handed feel to them, especially when they're dealing with other men. So looking at, at you as this fragile yet valuable um, vessel, it tells me that I need to invest in your heart because truly I believe that is what it's referring to. Mm -hmm. And you have some thick layers that are around your heart because you've built some walls for protection based on what's happened. But truly, when you get down to the heart of you, and I only know this going on 23 years of marriage, and we were together for about a year or so before that, your heart is extremely soft. And if you let people in, they're truly dealing with a very fragile vessel. That's why you only allow certain people in and if it gets dropped it'll crack but likely it's going to shatter and you have to put 
those pieces back together. That's why I think we as men are commissioned to protect that vessel. Understand it's very valuable. Whereas some other pieces of, you know, even some glass vases, if you drop them, bang, they just bounce off the ground. They're tempered. Mm -hmm. Men are a bit more tempered in how they are put together. But as for women, it's like, let's, let's not look at them like, oh, they're weak and mushy and whatever, but that they are, and this is from my perspective, they are the utmost valuable vessel that we have. And we should treat that heart and your emotions as such. And that's what I have sought to do. And that's a long way to get to this story, is to really invest in the fragility of what that valuable vessel is being your heart and say, oh, that's why when you say you want to know that you matter, I, I go to great lengths to make sure you know that you matter, that you are a priority to me because that fulfills you. That reinforces and strengthens your vessel, your heart. When you say you want to, you need to feel safe. And I started doing these things without even knowing I was doing them because I it was like, oh, we're in a crowd. Whoop, I'm going to I'm going to bring you around and make sure you know you need physical touch. I'm going to give you that physical touch to know that you're safe if any anything is around or if there's too much going on. And that's what I would call our guys to be looking at. I hope you don't misconstrue this weaker vessel like illustration I'm trying to give. What I'm sa- what I'm saying is you should look at what your wife's needs are. Help her identify and then cultivate this very very strong investment into investing in her needs that only you can truly fulfill. There I mean there's a part of your heart that I think is fulfilled by the kids. There's a part that's fulfilled by me as your husband because that's the place I have in your heart. And I would venture to say that even though it can be a lot of work, I would say the benefit the benefit of the connection, of the love, of the commitment that you make far exceeds the work that it takes for our marriage to continue to flourish. And I would I continually daily make that commitment because there when I am dying, if if you're a person that gets to die on the hospital bed with everybody around you, I want to know for myself that I have invested and I follow through on my words to love you with all that I have. And for my kids, that I have loved them and done the things that make them feel loved. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, is marriage too much work? No. Because the value and the joy and the commitment, even though it's hard, the value of what it brings to your life is immense. See, and I think it's been distorted because from the female side of it, growing up with what we had as examples and the lessons we were taught given, um, you know, being raised in church and things of that nature, the struggle for me was always I'm supposed to submit. And I think that's where things are so misconstrued now is 
women look at marriage as a form of submission because now you're head of the house, you're in control, and I'm supposed to come alongside and just submit to a man. Okay, bullshit. Straight up, I'll call it. Simply because, there goes the E. (laughs) Because what I believe submission is, is not lay down, give up, and let you have control and do whatever your husband says. That's not what is meant. It's not submission in the form of, you know, I think submission and I think UFC and MMA. And if you're submitting yeah. me, you are choking the hell out of me to get yeah. that submission. You are losing. And, I am winning. And and that's that's the honest to God truth because in what I saw in the marriages I grew up around, that's what it was, was they caved to whatever was going on in the situation. I we've not had to have those situations where I felt the need to have to cave, but I'm also a fighter in the fact that I'm not going to just give you anything. However, I will defer. Yes. If there is something that you need and I know you need it and it might be a struggle for me, because I, I am an independent person. I do like to do my own thing and I like to do things on my own to prove to myself I can. But there are moments where you need to be part of what I'm doing. You need to come alongside me for yourself. It's something that you need to fulfill for you. I will defer that and say, okay, I'm going to compromise this for myself. And I'm going to allow you into this space and I'm going to let you do this with me. Mm-hmm. I don't think that people see it that way anymore. You know, it's, it's funny when we talk to other couples and it's like, what do you do to make your spouse, or your husband feel loved? Or what do you do to fulfill his needs? And it's like, well, I'm his helper. I support him. I do you know that whatever he needs me to do. That's not an answer. If you really look at it, You are a person looking for instruction. I'm waiting for you to tell me what to do and then I'm going to do it. Okay, there is a playbook. I understand that. We do need to know what you need. But it's up to us to figure out how that works because you might tell me you need sex three or four times a week. Okay. But that's not really the need. It's the connection. Sex is just an action. If there's no connection behind it, all you're doing is getting off. Okay, cool. That relieves some stress, but so what? Yeah. You've still got to go back in the world and we've just made sure that, you know, you're not going to go somewhere else to get it. That's basically what that amounts to in my thinking. But you telling me you need sex three or four times a week is for me, you need me to give to you all of me. Mm Mm-hmm. You need me to connect to you in a way that no one else can to allow myself vulnerability, to allow you to be vulnerable and to connect. Mm -hmm. That's what you need. Very, very different to what is out there. You know, it's like, well, all guys think about is sex. That's not the truth. Yeah, they do think about sex, but it's not the way that people are putting it out there. Well, I don't know about for every guy. I know I think about sex often. But, um, and I think that was a great, but is it just thinking about needing to 
get off or is it thinking about sex because you want that connection with your wife? There's a big difference. Yeah. No, I, I, we agree here. And I, I thought that was a great exercise that we did at that uh, one marriage conference because they're asking you both, how much sex do you want? They want you to, you know, kind of rate it individually and then come Dude, together. Dude, you should have seen the guys' faces in the room, too, when the, we got to that question. It was like, you could see. It's like, oh, God, am I really allowed to say this? And what was funny for me and Quincy is our answer was the same. Yeah, I think you were three to four and I was four to five or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we, so we were like, okay, cool. We're we are on the <laughs> same page with this. But to see the look on, on the guys' faces, like, if I put the real answer here... I'm a dog because that's all I want is sex. But it's not. Right. And he's, and it's great to, you know, get that out on the table. Um, and I look, you know, biblically speaking, there is a lot of talk about the structure of marriage. And I get it, especially culturally speaking, for those ancient times and what was going on there. Because women basically had little to no rights, culturally speaking, back there. Mm -hmm. Fortunately... You know, society has evolved, and I think people are looking more now at women in a way that how the Bible presented them. I mean, we the way we have defined our marriage is we're essentially co-equals in a sense. It's a partnership. We are together in this, and there are areas where we will defer to one another, and those areas are... Where are you strong? Mm -hmm. Why would you defer to me in an area where I'm weak? That doesn't make any sense. That's like, um, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but that's like people calling me and saying, hey, what is, can we do this this week? And I said, look, I work outside the home. Jeannie runs her schedule. It's her calendar. If you want to plug something in, she runs our calendar. So get with her. And then they call again. Hey, what? Jeannie runs our calendar. She's the one at home. She has eight other people that she runs around the face of the earth. Translation, I will not be your reason to give her a speed bump. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's like, I'm not going to drop this on her. If you need it or you want to see about this, well, I'm 250 miles away. Call give her wife. a quick phone call because we run our life on our calendar. In retrospect, and it's like this, we ask the kids, if mom and dad are home and somebody breaks in, who are you going to run to for security? Dad. Are you going to run to mom or are you going to run to dad? They come to me to tell them where to go and they go to you to stand behind. Yeah. <laughs> it is a deference. So, I mean, in a sense, if you're talking about like strength and protection, et cetera, yeah, that makes me the head of our house. If you're talking about the logistical side and the nurturing side, yeah, that more rightly defers towards Jeannie. But there, there, here's the thing, and I've noticed this in watching our daughters, and this is the part that tells me we got it right. Because when our daughters come home and they're heartbroken or, you know, they're upset about something, they'll go to you for the hugs and they, you know, let me cuddle with you on the couch. Let me, they need their heart to feel protected. They need to know that it, it's cared for and it's mm -hmm. cradled. And it's funny because a lot of 
a lot of people in conversation have, you know, the mom is the nurturer. That's the one you go to. But I'm not in this instance. Our girls come to me when they're pissed off at somebody or somebody said this or did this and, and I, my BS meter comes out and as I'm not exactly the most tactful with how I say things, but they come to me for that pushback of just because you're a girl, just because you're smaller does not mean you take crap from somebody. Never. You do this, this, and this. This is what's being said. This is what's going on. And this is how you handle it. Do not let someone push you back from what you're trying to do. And it's funny because a lot of times you see the dad is that person, the coach, the encourager, the pusher. And you are in a lot of ways. But when they are hurt, the when they come to me is when they are, they're hurt, but they're pissed. Mm-hmm. And it's like... I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to feel this. I don't like that this person has the right to hurt me. How do I push past? That's where my role comes in. That's nurturing. But it's very, very different. When they're crushed, when something, you know, when when grandpa passed away, Mo is not a crier. Mo does not like, dude, that's my kid. When it comes to emotions, she's just like, this is crap. I don't want to deal with it. And she doesn't like to cry if she cries it pisses her off it to her she doesn't feel like it accomplishes anything for her but when grandpa died that hit that hit hard Mm -hmm. and she curled up into you and just stayed there for a while because that's that's safe yeah it's it's the spot to be whereas you know in daily things when she gets so frustrated and so pissed off it's like okay what do we need to do with this and she's just, I need to go work out. Let's get you to the gym, then let's go deal with it. That's how we deal with the differences. But watching the girls come to you for that, that's what they're going to look for in a husband. They're going to need that in a husband. Yeah. When it comes time for them to face life alone, and they all talk about getting married, that's one of the things that they're going to go after is, who's going to take care of my heart like my dad does? Who's going to make sure that I'm okay when crap happens? Because it's not easy. When you're shattered, you don't know how to put the pieces together. Right. You don't, when, when you're trying to rebuild, I mean, in the, in the stuff we're dealing with now, we're going through this. I don't always know how to put things back together. I don't always know what to do, but life around us is still going on. So I still have to be what they need me to be. Yeah. And I'm not whole. So I expect, because I know it's what you'll do for you to step in when I cannot be that, that strength. Of course. I expect that I can step back and say, okay, this is pushing my limits right now. I'm, I'm not ready to deal with this kind of stuff. Can you handle it? And, it's hard because there's a part of me that feels like I'm weak in that because I can't handle something and I hate asking for help. But the only person that I trust to ask for help is you. Mm-hmm. It, it's There's a dynamic that I just think is missed when people look at marriage. It's like, you know, you, you marry this person because the sex is great. You've got great chemistry. You've got good friendship. You like some of the things, same things. You like the same sports teams. 
you know, you have a general basis for a relationship, but where's your heart? Mm -hmm. Where's her heart? Where's his heart? Do you know what it's going to take? Do you know what will break that heart? Yeah. Do do you know what's happened to put cracks? So you know to defend against those things because, dude, some pieces are just glued together. Yeah. Some pieces are cemented. But there are still places where, you know, even in my own family situation, when my parents were going through stuff, it's hard for me. I can't pick sides. I can't get involved. This isn't my situation. But yet, as an adult, I'm still their child. And if you go one way or the other, you're picking a side. Mm -hmm. That's where you come in because I don't have to pick a side. You're going to stand in the middle and tell people, nope, this is not for her and you're not going to pull her into it. We're going to stand back here and when things settle, you let us know. But you know how that would affect me because I went through it as a kid. Yeah. That That's the difference. You're not just walking down an aisle and saying I do to become this person's friend and have good times together for the rest of your life. There are good times. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of hell you're going to go through, too. And it, it's not because... Potentially. It, potentially. No, everybody's hell is different. True. Everybody's stuff is different. I'm not saying you're going to have to fight to keep your marriage. It's not what I'm saying. Everybody goes through something. A loss of a parent. Yeah. That's, everybody goes everybody through something goes in through life. A loss yes. of a child. A sick child. Dealing with autism. Dealing with you know job conflicts. These are all different areas of quote unquote hell in our life, just depending on when it hits and how it hits. Yeah. And everybody interprets it different. What I'm saying is you're going to go through these trials together. And if you don't know at the core of the other person, what it takes, like I can use the same example. I know you at the center of who you are. I know you in your most vulnerable. I know you in your most strong. I know you in your worst. I know you in your best. I know your heart. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that will come against you, and I become a very different person mm-hmm. simply because you won't fight those things the same because it's familiar. It's it's something that gets in your head. We all have it. It's something that will set off that little voice, and it will nick at you to tell you, what am I doing wrong? Is this me? Do I need to make changes? And it will spin you because now you're going to try everything you can to figure out how to fix whatever it is. And it ain't always you. Mm-hmm. Now, for me on the outside, I know you. And I can look at the situ- situation from the outside and go, but that's not you. That that That's not true about you. This is not your personality. It's not who you are. I know you. There's no question. So I'll go to bat at those things, and that's where I step in and start rebuilding you and affirming you and making sure that you understand the voice that you need to be listening to is not the one in your head. The voice you need to be listening to is the one that you trust. It's me. Yeah. I'm, I, I would never tell you I believe something about you that I don't. Mm-hmm. Just to make you feel better. Yeah, I totally I'm, agree with that. If you're being a dick, I'm going to tell you, dude, <clears throat> your D's showing. We need to fix this. And, But I have that permission because you trust me enough. Yeah. It's, it's the relationship that we've built. But it's taken time to uncover all of these things 
and to become truly vulnerable with each other to say, okay, here's my heart and it's got all kinds of cracks and tears and bruises and marks on it and I'm trusting you with it. Absolutely. Now, if I'm giving it to you, you got to promise me, just don't drop it. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. Just don't drop it. Bubble wrap the thing if you have to. I don't care, but don't drop it. No, hold it in my hands to connect with it. And you know, when you're you're as you're talking about this, and we are coming up on a hard stop here that we got to get finished with. But it reminded me, like talking about those broken pieces and the beauty of marriage, is the Japanese, um, the Japanese concept of kintsugi, and that is when things are broken, they repair it with gold, and those wounds or those breaks as they're put back together. Those things are honored mm-hmm. because you can see where the broken pieces have come back together and they've been put back together with something that's extremely valued. It's like guys that come back with battle wounds and scars. You know, chicks dig scars. It's the it's as silly as it sounds. It's the same thing. You're you may not be happy about why you were there or what happened in the situation, but you're proud that you went through what you went through before what you believed in. And I and and for us, you know, in the scars, the wounds that you've had from the past in your past relationships, I know that it's been your experience with me that I've helped you lay gold over those cracks mm-hmm. and those wounds. And so I guess, you know, just to, to put a button on this, it's like there's a lot of value in marriage. There's a lot of value in a father's heart and a mother's heart and a husband's heart and a wife's heart. And... You know, to ask the question, is marriage too much work? No. No, because it's obviously, in our opinion, the last thing I'll say is is truly this. I've had people say, oh, I want to find what you and Jeannie have because that, to me, is love. And I'm here to tell you, like I've said before, you won't find it. You have to build it. Well, you have to remember, they don't find gold without digging. Right. And you still got to polish it up and clean it. You still got to refine it. Exactly. So it, it takes fire, it takes digging, it takes work. But when you get to the, the bottom of the product, and you finally get to the finished product, it's worth it. Yeah. It is worth every bit. It, it is pure gold. That's it. We got a hard stop. We have got to end it right there. She is Jeannie Moran. I am Quincy Moran. And this is Man Versus Marriage. The podcast. How good do you want your life to be? You gotta live on purpose for a purpose. It's truly about becoming the best version of yourself that's possible. This is Man vs. Mary, the podcast.